So we are continuing our sermon series going through the Sermon on the Mount called Kingdom Minded. So we're looking at what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? And so what we finished up is we finished up a couple weeks ago the different commands that Jesus gave us if we're going to be a follower of him. And so tonight it's continuing that Sermon on the Mount, but now we're saying, hey, this is what it's going to look like to live out this righteousness that Christ has given us. And so over the next three or four weeks, we're going to be looking at, okay, these different acts of righteousness and what we're to live out and our motivation behind it. And tonight we're going to be looking at how to give. How are we to give as followers of Christ? What is that supposed to look like? What, what does that mean to give to the needy as we're going to see? So before we get started, what I want to do is I just want to show you a series of pictures. And I just want you to just kind of whatever different emotions you have, just think about that in your mind. But I just want to show you a series of pictures. And I want to show you that there is a thread that ties all of these together that I want you to think about. So I'm just going to slowly show you some of these. Just some of these different pictures. Now there's a thread that ties all of these pictures together. Anybody want to venture... A guess on what they think that thread that ties all of these together. Um, the second photo is the, um, no, I'm saying that every other photo mm-hmm. is somebody trying to help another person. Okay. <clears throat> Press. Um. Okay, different backgrounds. They're all people. They're all children of God. As simplistic as it might be, every single one of these is someone who is in need. Because I think a lot of times we think, okay, giving to the needy, I think a lot of times our first thought might go straight to this first picture of, okay, we think needy, we think homeless person. That might be what we think when it comes to need. And yes, they are in need. But then there's others. This second one is actually a picture of someone that is battling anxiety and depression. That that is someone else who is in need of support and love and care. This one, this is actually uh, a place that at my last church we went to. It's in Clarkston, Georgia. And it's, uh, it's in a garden of an apartment complex that houses so, like, hundreds upon hundreds of refugees that, that are seeking help while they're here. And this is actually one of the gardens they help out, one of the families that live there. And um, I remember we actually did a children's day camp while we were there. Um, while, you know, the parents are out and about either finding a job to be able to support their family or they're out working, whatever the case is. This one is actually another place in Clarkston, uh, Georgia, where it's called Refuge Coffee, where it's actually a coffee company. It's a company started by Christians where what they do is, is they hire refugees seeking asylum 
in the United States. And what they do is they hire them for a year. They give them a living wage. They teach them just English and work ethic and things of that nature. So that way, after a year or so, they can send them out to hopefully find a better job to be able to continue to support themselves and maybe even support their family. These, uh, these last two or these last two or three are actually right here in our area. This is actually the Good Shepherd's Home right here in Murfreesboro that we partner with that helps disenfranchised children. So children that come from pretty rough homes. It might be economically. It could be physically how the house is, things of that nature. It could be rough homes life that they come to. And it's a Christian organization that helps these children. This one is actually Portico, which helps apparently, which helps whether it be teenagers or ladies or whoever, or even gentlemen that that are trying to deal with unplanned pregnancy. Like, how can we handle this? It's supposed to be a Christian organization that helps guide them. So whenever we give those little baby bottles and put all the change in, these are people that help them. It gives them an opportunity to help them, give them an outlet and a way to assist them in that. And this last one is actually Lighthouse Christian Camp in Smithville, Smithville, Tennessee, where this is actually their Christmas party that they do. So they help, again, children that come from not the greatest economic background. And what they do is this is actually their Christmas party where they go in and give them like Monopoly money and they can buy these different gifts. They're all spread out that people donate. That way they can get them gift wrapped and give them either to family members or themselves because they might not have the money to be able to give those gifts. So each one of these is different people in need. It's just in different ways that they need help. And I think a lot of times we see these different ones. We might, have, we might have different emotions or different reactions to different ones. But what I want us to see is that each one still had a need that was just as important as the last one. And so two weeks ago, we talked about loving our enemies, how the main point was we want to love everyone unconditionally and universally. If that should flow into our giving as well, that it should not matter the person or the background or where they come from, that all need is important to God and that we should want to give to them and care for each one of them. So tonight's pastor, tonight's main point is this, to be kingdom-minded is to give in order to gain more of Christ. So I think sometimes we might see some of those different pictures and we might be selective on who we want to help. We might be selective on who we want to help, whether it be a comfortability perspective or not. And we might even be selective in how much we give, whether it be of our time, of our money, of our resources, of our labor. Then we might even be selective in that. But what I want us to see is, I also want us to test the motivation behind each one of these things. That, that our ultimate motivation behind each one of these things is to make Christ's name known to all the world. And that is one way we can make Christ's name known is by our giving of our time, of our money, of our labor, of our resources. And I want us to question me on that because I think sometimes what people might do is we might want to help these people. And then we might see like those, let's say, posts on social media like, oh my goodness, look at all the things that I have done to help these people. Or we might want to tell other people about what we are doing to help. Now, I'm not saying necessarily that, that the posting on social media or telling others is in and of itself bad, but what is our motivation behind telling these people? Whether it be through social media or through word of mouth, what is our motivation behind it? Are we trying to point people to us or are we trying to point people to Christ? We help these things. Are we trying to do it to build up, let's say, a reputation for ourselves of look how pious and awesome I am? Or again, are we doing it to make Christ's name known because he is the one that meets ultimate needs? Because here's the thing, we as fallen sinful human beings, we're prone to be selective in who we give to and even how much we give to other people. 
It might even be to try to boost ourselves or boost our reputation. That way people can be like, look, look at what I did. But ultimately, we are to give, not to, not to boost our reputation, not to gain more of anything from the world, but to gain more of Christ, ultimately. Because he's better than anything the world could offer. So that's what I want us to look at tonight. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 is what we're going to be looking at. So if you have your physical Bible, that's where we're going to be. If not, if you have your notes, it's on the back side of your notes to follow along with us as we go through this. So we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. So let's look at that together here. This is the word of the Lord. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray as, as we come before you and study your word, I pray you will just free us up from any distractions that we might have right now. Whether it be from our neighbor, whether it be from the buzzing of a phone, whether it be from things that might be happening outside of this place that might be weighing heavy on our hearts. I pray you just help us remove all of those distractions and focus in on what you have to teach us tonight through your word. I pray that, that you will just, by the power of your Holy Spirit, open up our hearts to receive this truth. Would you open up our minds to even understand this truth? Would you open up our eyes to see our need for Christ that much more? Would you help us grow even more into the people of God you've called us to be? Would you help us see this, to see more of Christ and our need for Christ? That'll help us grow more into that, bear fruit, so that ultimately we can make Christ's name known. So I pray, would you just be your truth, not my opinion, nothing of me, and anything that's of me is forgotten. I pray that I don't even mess up or say anything dumb in many ways, honestly. So, Lord, would you be glorified and honored and praised with all glory be to Christ through all of this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, there is a couple truths that Jesus gives us if we are to live out this truth of gaining more of giving to gain more of Christ. And the first truth we see is this, is that earthly motivation leads to temporary rewards. So, earthly motivation leads to temporary rewards. So I want to set the scene that, that we're doing. Again, Jesus is on top of this mountain with his followers that he's giving. It's just the 12 disciples and he's giving them these commands. So he's already given them the Beatitudes. These are the attitudes you are to have if you're a follower of me. He's already said, hey, you're to be salt and light of the earth. He's given them saying, I'm the fulfillment of the law. And now he's giving us the true interpretation of the law and gave us those new commands. That's what we saw the last few weeks of of you've heard it said before, but I tell you that you shall not lust, you shall not anger, you shall love your enemies, you shall not retaliate. So he's giving us those new commands. Now in chapter six, he's starting a new set where he's saying, okay, these are living out these acts of righteousness. So that righteousness that we talked about, that must be greater than the Pharisees, as we saw in chapter five. Now he's saying, these are different acts of righteousness you are to live out. And the first one is you are to give to the needy. So we're giving to the needy, and right off the bat, he says, beware. So he's giving us a command, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. 
So to beware means to be on one's guard, be cautious or weary about or be it alert to. So this is a present tense verb, meaning like this is an active thing. Like we are to actively be on guard about the motivation of our heart. We're to be constantly on guard of, okay, what's the real reason why I'm doing this? Why am I giving? Why am I truly doing this? We're to be constantly on guard. What are we to be on guard for, beware of? By practicing our righteousness before others so that others will be seen or to be seen by others. That means to be seen, it's to make a spectacle. To be or become a sight that stimulates the moral and mental faculties in an impressive and often astonishing way. So what we're trying to do is we're not trying to practice our righteousness to make this big spectacle and be like, hey, look at what I've done. So where people are like, wow, like, look at what they did. They must be really moral. They must be really good. They must be really awesome. Like, look at how they helped whatever group of people you want to name. We must be on guard against that constantly. We must be constantly on guard against those roots of pride that can well up in us. What we must do is we must guard ourselves from making our service a show. We must guard ourselves from making our service a show. So we don't want to keep serving people to make it like this big spectacle, big show. Like, hey, look at me as if we're putting on display for other people. We're to be constantly on guard against that because he tells us when we do this, we're to be aware of this because when we just try to practice our righteousness to be seen by others. Like, wow, look at how great they are. It says that they will not receive a reward from God. How it says, no reward from the Father, that you will not have a reward from the Father's heaven. You will not. That is a promise that we'll have. Because here's what I want us to see, is that our motive determines our result. So our motive behind what we do determines the result of what's going to happen. And so we must constantly examine the motives of our hearts and what we're doing. In fact, this lines up with what King David said in Psalm 139, where it says, Lord, would you examine my heart? Would you find that there is no grievous or offensive way in me, but instead, would you lead me in the way everlasting? That's what we're to strive for. That's what we're to pray constantly, not just once a week, but daily. Even throughout the day, God, would you examine my heart? Like, would you make sure that there's no grievous way in me or offensive way in me? Would you make sure that I'm pursuing Christ above all else? Would you root out any sort of pride within me? Because I want to live for you ultimately. So what he says, the end result of others seeing our righteousness is the second half of verse one we see is, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So it says, you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So what this is actually referencing, it's actually referencing a later thing in the book of Matthew, Matthew 23, 5, where Jesus is giving all these different, like the seven woes to the Pharisees. Like, woe to you Pharisees for doing such and such because you're leading people astray. Woe to you Pharisees because you're doing X, Y, and Z. In fact, it talks about how the Pharisees were also doing these good deeds before other people, how they wanted to be seen by others and explains why they wanted to be seen by others. Is because they love that place of honor at the feasts. They love having the best seat in the synagogues. They love being praised when they walk through the marketplace and being called rabbi. They love the attention and praise that they got from man. But here's what we see is, yeah, they did all these good deeds, but their motivation behind it was to receive praise from man. And ultimately that led to Jesus rebuking and condemning them for this. They say, okay, if you want your praise of man, then that's your reward. That's ultimately your reward. That's what you're going to get. And so we are to be constantly on guard against that. 
The thing is, the people may have seen what the Pharisees were doing on the outside, but Christ saw what was going on on the inside of their hearts. So let me ask you this to think about. What is your motivation when you give? It doesn't have to just be money. It could be your time for something. It could be your labor for something. It could be your resources, your talents. What is your motivation for, let's say, when you post about what you did? What is your motivation when you tell others about what you did? Is there a small part of you that hopes and desires that you just get a little bit, just get a bunch of likes and comments and shares and views, just a little bit? Is there a small part of you that desires it to help build up, let's say, a reputation for yourself? Is it just to get, let's say, community hours as a requirement for school or whatever else it is? Is it just because your parents, let's say, are forcing you to do it or they do it? Is it to earn some sort of compensation from something? Or is it just that you just love the opportunity to serve others? And ultimately, it's just, you know what, I love Christ and I have an opportunity to use what he's given me in response back to what he's done. So he's saying we don't want to practice these righteous deeds in order to be seen by others. But now if you backtrack just a chapter up, or just a backtrack a chapter, people say, well, hold on. Like in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, Jesus is saying, okay, you're to be salt and light of the world, and you're to shine your light before other people so that other people will see your good deeds. So how can Jesus say, hey, make sure you don't practice your deeds to be seen by others, yet just a chapter before he'll say, well, let your light shine before others so others will see your good deeds. Ultimately, it comes down to the motivation behind it. Because if you look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, what he says is, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's to give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That was the motivation behind it. It's ultimately to point to Christ. Because here's the thing. Us as followers of Christ, we can't control, let's say, how public our lives are. We're going to be out and about. We're going to be going. We're going to school. We're going to work. We're going to different parts in society. So we can't control how public our life is, but we can control who we point to with our lives. So we cannot control how public our life is, but we can control who we point to with our lives. So as we're going about doing the things we're doing and living these things out, it should be ultimately who we're pointing to. It should almost be like we're living with blinders on. That we, we're not thinking about anyone else. Of like, oh man, this is going to look really good in front of people. It should be, no, no, this is an opportunity that I see for someone. I want to care for them. We're to point our lives to Jesus Christ and him working and living in us. Because think about this. If let's say we do these great things and we post about it. And we get all the likes and comments and views. That's great but it's going to be here today and gone tomorrow. There'll be another post that people are liking and commenting and sharing and viewing. Or we might tell their people, we might get that praise, but then that's a fleeting moment and the next moment's there. And for living for that, we're going to be constantly striving for, okay, I got to get, I got to get more likes the next time, more comments, more, more shares, more views, or I got to get more praise from other people. It's a constantly fleeting and a never-ending losing battle. Instead, it should be, no, we're doing this because we want to point people to Christ. It should be we're living out this Galatians 2.20 mindset of it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. That should be what we're living towards. Because earthly motivation leads to just temporary rewards. It won't last. It won't matter. Because think about once we reach the end of our lives and we're standing before Christ, imagine he's like, well, what did you do for me? Well, look at this post I got that had all these likes and comments and views and shares. 
And ultimately, it's like, what did you do for me to point others to me? Not pointing others to myself, pointing others to Christ. Because earthly motivation leads to temporary rewards. But the second truth we're going to see in this is that heavenly motivation leads to eternal rewards. Heavenly motivation leads to eternal rewards. Like with the first one, if we're just aiming for earth and that's just it, then that's all we're going to get. That's all where it's going to end at. But if we aim for heaven, if we aim to glorify Christ, that's more about him rather than us, then we're going to gain rewards that are eternal. And even then when we get to eternity, it's not even going to matter because we're going to toss some crowns at his feet anyway because Christ is ultimately what we want. Okay, here it says, now he starts in verse 2, okay, saying, okay, he's showing us, now here's what it's like. Here's what you are to not do, and here's what you are to do when it comes to giving. So the first part is when you give to the needy. And the first thing is this, thus, when you give to the needy. When you give to the needy. So not if you give to the needy, but when you give to the needy. So right off the bat, we see this. Jesus expects us to give. There's an expectation of Christ that we're going to give. Whether it be our time or money or resources or labor, Jesus expects us to give to the needy. And in fact, what he talks about here is when it comes to giving to the needy, this is referencing 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. A lot of people call it the love chapter, but the first three verses it talks about, okay, I could give everything I own to the poor. I could, I could die as a martyr for everyone, for the poor, anything else. But if I don't love, if love is not my motivation, then I'm just a clanging gong and a symbol. I gain nothing. That, that if our motivation is off, then it doesn't matter in the end. We could do all these great things, but if love is not our motivation, if it's to make Christ's name known is not our motivation, then in the end, It gains nothing. Again, what is the motivation behind why you give? So he's saying, don't draw attention to yourself. So look at verse two. It says, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. So I want to give a little bit of background, a little bit of context to this, saying weird, like, okay, is people just giving and they're blowing a trumpet, like in the middle of the streets and synagogues, like, woo, look what I did. No, it's not like it's band camp and that's what they're doing. I, I, that's not what their motivation is. What they're doing is actually to kind of give a little bit of a picture behind this is they had these chest offerings in the synagogues and in the streets that was shaped like a trumpet looking like this. And so a lot of times what people would do is they would try to dump a bunch of coins. They would reach the hand down, try to dump a bunch of coins. So that would make as much noise as possible when they dumped it. So that way when they dumped it in, it's like, wow, look at that person. Like, look at all the change they just dumped. Do you hear it? Do you hear all that change that was dumped in there? Wow, they must be really rich. They must be really pious. They must be really good. It was to try to draw attention to themselves. But Jesus is saying, no, they're being a hypocrite. And what a hypocrite means in, in Greek and Roman, it meant it, they're being an actor. They're just acting a part. They're not truly living this out. It's not a genuineness of what they're doing. They're just, they're just acting like they're pious. They're acting like they're religious. In fact, it means a person that professes belief and opinions that he or she does not hold in order to conceal his or her real feelings and motives. So hypocrites would act as if they're righteous and pious in order to draw attention to themselves. They're not doing it because they truly care. They're doing it because, hey, look at all this praise that I'm getting from other people. They're trying to be just like the Pharisees. We're like, man, that guy's great. We're going to give him a nice seat at the table. We're going to give them a nice seat here. We're going to invite them to these different functions. We're going to give them so much praise and, and call them different just names of high honor. 
In fact, Jewish rabbis even taught at this time that, that giving more and showing more acts of mercy like this, it received especially high rewards. Basically, like, okay, if you give a bunch, then you're going to receive a bunch more back in some sort of financial ways. But Jesus actually shatters this type of mindset. In fact, we see in Mark 12, 41 through, 41 through 44, in the same type of synagogues when people are giving, it talks about how all these rich guys are dumping these big bags of money into it. And Jesus is watching this from the other side of the synagogue. These guys dumping, rich guys dumping these big bags of money in and like making all this noise. And then this one lady comes up with just, it says two mites, basically equivalent of like a penny, and drops that in. And Jesus says, hey, that lady right there, just gave significantly more than all of you rich guys. Because she gave out of love. She gave out of a need. It was a motivation behind what she did. He was saying, yeah, you might, all y'all maybe give great big bags of money. People might say, wow, they're really rich. That's the end of the reward. But he's saying, this lady has given more than all of you guys combined because of the motivation behind it. Like imagine someone who posts about what they do for someone who never posts anything. Let's say about what they do. Yeah, the person who posted, they might get millions of views and thousands of likes. The person who never posts might not ever get recognized by anybody. The person who gets millions upon thousands of views and likes, yeah, people might say that, but ultimately, what's it going to mean in the light of eternity? But ultimately, the person who never posts has the greater reward because of their motivation. Because they're not about wanting to draw attention to themselves. Saying, I just want to point people to Christ. I don't care if people see it or not. I don't care if people recognize it or not. Ultimately, do they know Christ? And will they remember Christ's name at the end of it? I don't care if they remember my name. And so Jesus says, look, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, they have been praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And so, like I said, their reward is just the praise of man. The praise of man is so temporary. It's so fleeting. Yeah, in that moment, it might be great, like I said, to get all those comments and likes and views and shares. But ultimately, there's just going to be another post that gets more likes and comments and views and shares. We might get just really high on the praise of others for one moment, but then that moment passes. And then we're left, okay, what are we going to do next? In fact, this whole thing, if they've already received their reward, it's, it's a reference to Matthew 16, 24 through 27. Where Jesus talks about what our motivation should be is we should deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Christ. Because he says, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world? So to gain all the praise of man, all of his likes, comments, subscriptions, whatever, all of this accolades. What does it matter if he gains all of this, all the world, yet forfeits his soul? What does it matter? But he says, for those who will lose their life will gain their life. But those who try to hold on to their life will end up losing it in the end. Because ultimately, what is your motivation behind what you're doing? In fact, it says in that same passage in Matthew 16, 24 through 27, okay, if he gains all the world, but forfeit your soul, what does it matter? And it says, and then the Son of Man will return with all of his angels and repay everyone according to what they did. So whether that be good for ultimately for him or whether it be for themselves and boosting themselves. So if Christ is going to repay for everything that we have done, whether it be for him or for us, let me ask you this. If Christ were to return tonight, how would he repay you? 
what would he repay you for? If, if he were to evaluate all, just all the resources you have, so your time, your money, your talents, your abilities, all of that, how do you repay you for your use of that and your motivation behind that? What are we offering to Christ with our lives? Are we offering a heart fully surrendered to him to ultimately bring him glory? Or are we offering him a heart that, that wants to have ourselves on the throne and that we want to be the ones that receive all the praise and glory? Ultimately, we're to be the ones, we, we don't want the praise of man, we want the praise of God. We don't want to say, hey, well done by, let's say, earthly people. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant by our king, by our savior. Because we don't want the praise of others. He continues even onward, okay? You don't want the praise of others. Then he continues onward in verse three. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So Jesus goes even further to say, okay, don't even, don't even, not even yourself should know what you're doing. It's not saying that we're confused like, I can't control both hands. I don't know which one's, which one's doing what. It's not saying that. What he's saying is it should be so much so that we're not even praising ourselves for what we do. It shouldn't be where we go back and let's say in a secret and say, man, look at all the awesome things that I did. Man, that was great. We're not to praise our own giving. We're not to praise our own giving of our money or time or labor or resources. Now, that's not saying we're like Eeyore walking around like, oh, woe is me. All right, it's, it's okay. It's cool. Like, it's fine. It's not saying we're walking around like that. That's not what he's saying. It's we're going to have this humble attitude when we do this. It means we don't think highly of ourselves when we do these things. We want our giving to be in secret. In fact, what this word means by secret, when our giving is in secret, secret means concealed from the notice or knowledge of all persons except the individual or individuals concerned. So giving ultimately is a matter between us and God. That's ultimately what it should be. Giving should be an ultimate matter between us and God. So let me ask you this. Are you okay with the act of giving and to never be known? Are you okay with that person or group that, let's say, you served to never remember you ever again? Are you okay with, it could be a great amount of helping certain people. Are you okay if they never remember your name? Our answer to these questions, when we think about them, reveals the genuineness of our heart and our true motivation behind that. In fact, the motivation of our heart reveals the genuineness of our faith. The motivation of our heart reveals the genuineness of our faith. Because here's the thing, as followers of Christ, it shouldn't matter to us, honestly. It really shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter if they remember our name. Ultimately, it should matter that they remember the name of Christ. Like, I don't know who so-and-so was. I don't know what they did. But you know what? I, I know one thing. They kept talking about this Jesus character. And that stuck with me. Or that whole group from, I don't know how to pronounce their name, Middle Tennessee. I don't know what it was, but man, they said they loved Jesus. And that's what I remember about them. Are you okay with people not remembering our names? In fact, I have a little bit of a, a funny story to describe. So a couple summers ago, when I was interning at Spotswood Baptist Church, was the name of the church, um, in Northern Virginia, we actually helped at an elementary school that day. They had like a field day. Remember field day, we go to different stations and have a blast. Mm -hmm. So they had that day, and so we were going to help serve 
The student ministry is going to help serve them that day. So we help serve. We're leading all the stations. We're running everything. We're basically running the whole, whole thing for them that day. When we're done, we're actually able to go into the cafeteria and eat lunch with the kids and faculty and staff and administration and everything else. So we're sitting down. We're all eating and we're enjoying that time. We're just thankful for being there. And then one of the, administrat- one of the administrators stands up and he says, Hey, I just want to thank LifePoint Church for coming out today and helping serve us today and make this possible. Of course, a lot of us are like, he didn't, he didn't pronounce the right. That's not our church. It's not church. It's Spotswood, not LifePoint. But no one really said anything. We went back, and I remember the college pastor was asking, hey, how'd it go today? And I was like, well, it was great, except they pronounced the name wrong. They said it was LifePoint Church, so Spotswood Church that did it. And he said, you know what? That's awesome, actually. I was like, why say that? He goes, because in the end, it doesn't matter. It's really not about us. It's about who did we serve and who do we point them to during that. That's what was more important. It was not about who we were. It's not about what group we were a part of. It's not about the name that was attached to the church that we served. Ultimately, it's, okay, who are we pointing them to? What's the real reason why we're gathered here for this? And that's what should be our motivation behind it. And then he sees at the end, here's what we see in the last part of verse 4. So your giving may be in secret, and your Father who, is in, who sees you in secret will reward you. So just as we saw in verse 1 where it says, hey, if you look for the praise of others to be seen by them, you will not receive a reward from God. Here's what we see now. If we give in secret, if our motivation is to make Christ's name known and point people to him, then we will receive a reward from God. That's a promise. Just as people gave in the synagogues and received all that praise, instead we received the praise from God for giving in secret. Because think about this. God is infinite and almighty and everywhere. So no matter how public or how private an act is, God sees all of it. God sees all of it. No act is hidden from God. And so if our motivation is to point people to Christ, if our motivation is to point people to Christ, no matter how public or private that action is, it's never in vain. It's never in vain because it's seen by our Father who is in heaven. Okay, so what is this reward then? If you're going to be rewarded by God, what is our reward? Well, it's more of Christ. It's to become more like him. Our reward is this return of God's grace. Not in the sense of, okay, if we give more, then he's going to give us that much more grace. Or if we, if we give more and do these things, then we're going to earn more brownie points and level up on the different spiritual rankings. No, that's not what we're saying. It's not what he's saying. It's saying we become even more conformed to that image of Christ. We become even more conformed to the image of Christ. Because here's the thing I want us to understand. Christians ought to be the neediest people. Christians ought to be the neediest people in the entire world. Here's why. Because we recognize who we were before Christ. We were once lost and under condemnation and in need of salvation. And then Christ came. He sought after us. He found us and he saved us. He gave us salvation. And now he gets to use us to advance this same gospel message that saved us. And point others to him. We ought to be the neediest people because even after we're saved, look, we recognize that we fight against sinful desires. There's probably sins today and temptations today that we fought against from the moment we woke up this morning. To even tonight before we go to bed, that there is constant temptations we're fighting. We see our need for that. That yes, we've been saved and we have been forgiven of those sins, but we still fight against these sinful habits. 
And so we see our daily need for the grace of God working in and through us to become more like Christ. Christians are in daily need of the grace of God. Christians are in daily need of the grace of God. In fact, what we're going to see just a few verses down in a couple weeks is when Jesus gives this Lord's prayer. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. He's not saying give us next week's bread. He's not saying give us tomorrow's bread. He's not saying give us the next month's supply of bread. He's like, no, give us enough bread for today that we can go through the day and then we come back to you tomorrow morning in more need of bread, in more need of growing and becoming more like the people you've called us to be. This should be the posture of our hearts constantly, an overflow of that posture. It should be an overflow of, wow, God, I'm just thankful that you gave, that we who were in most need of salvation, you gave to us. And saved us. You know what? Now we want to we wanna be able to point others to this, this same person that saved us. The same person that gave us when we are in most need. We want to go point those that are in need and point them to him. Because we are all in need of Christ. In fact, this made me think of a, uh, a Casting Crowns lyric where it says, Because I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. That's about only Jesus. That, that we could live this whole life, and if no one ever remembers our name, but they remember who we lived it for, then that is a life well lived. That if we live this whole life, give up our time, our money, our energy, our resources, ultimately to make Christ's name known, and we did that faithfully, and no one ever remembers our name, Christ sees it in heaven, and one day we will receive that reward. We stand before him, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Let me ask you this. What is your motivation? What is your motivation? Why do you do the different things that you do? What is your motivation behind all of that? Is it to make Christ's name known or is it to make our name known? Because our motivation ultimately is going to point one of those two directions. We cannot be on the fence about this. But secondly, do you see a daily need for Christ? Do you see a daily need of, Lord, I just, I need your grace. I need your help today. I I need more of you. I need your grace to help me fight against these temptations and sinful desires that I battle against every single day. I need your grace. I need your help to help me love those people around me that seem so unlovable. I need your help for all of this. Do we see our daily need for Christ? Because when we do, we see our daily need for Christ. That helps us be even more compassionate and give out of an overflow for those that are in need as well. Because we see that they're made in the same image of God as we are. And Christ died for them just as much as he did for us. And we just want to be a nobody to tell everybody about somebody that saved our soul. And that is King Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you just so much for tonight. Thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for Jesus Christ and his life that he lived. Thank you that, that in our most desperate need that Christ came. That even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That even when we were dead in our sins and wanting nothing to do with him and, and were rebelling against him, he saved us and sat us in the same realm of the heavenly places and now uses us for good works that you laid out before the foundation of the earth, that we would walk in them and point others to him. So would you help us see our daily need for Christ? Would you give us our daily bread we nourish on to get us through the day to fight against these things, but also go in and give, give to others. That we're giving others out of an overflow of a thankful heart because we want to make Christ's name known ultimately. 
Would you help us be people that we do not care if people ever remember our names? But as long as they remember the name of Christ, then that is what ultimately matters. We can only do this by your grace that we're able to do this. So I pray for each one of these students. You help them as they go back into the different schools. I pray for us as a church as we go back into our different workplaces and, and our community and the neighbors that we just rub shoulders with. You help us give to them ultimately to point to Christ, that we can gain more of Christ, conform more into his image, and that when people see us, they will not see us, but they will see Jesus Christ living and working through us. It is only by your grace we're able to do this. In Jesus' name, amen.